my work is, as uh, Girard already explained, uh, very much concerned with the uh, self-organization, very much with the survival, if you like, um, of uh, you know of Karen, uh, of the Karen in difficult circumstances in protected conflict, and um, with the self-organization or self-governance of uh, humanitarian aid, um, and. Uh, um, so I'm very excited to see uh, like uh, new uh, works coming up, like Girard's, right, on uh, uh, informal protection, because I think this is a very important and, and very understudied field. Um, and uh, uh, just um, I like to thank uh, Father Bonlu, uh, um, uh, Vinay Bonlu, also for his um, help. You know, uh, from the very first, uh, he's very de he's uh, very dedicated. You know. Um, uh, uh, to the to the uh, to the poor and the most vulnerable population and and I like uh, um, I like to thank uh, Tim also uh, where is he Tim uh, Tim is the back background there <laughs> Tim Schröder also because um, uh, I've I've been very interested as Girard already pointed out in religion religion and politics and uh, faith-based humanitarianism and uh, we already heard that actually religion both Christianity and Buddhism. Uh, uh, play a huge role, right? Uh, which is again not surprising, and it, it is also for for concrete reasons. It is also because of a failure, if you like, of international humanitarian organizations to access the most vulnerable populations and to help. Really, uh, that uh, actually uh, religious organizations are actually well placed, right? Um, uh, uh, because, um, like, uh, um, uh, Tim is very close to the Seventh Day Adventists communities and they established uh, schools and clinics right uh, uh, so they have the infrastructure already so to speak and uh, and of course Buddhist monasteries have been very important sanctuaries as well uh, so um, uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so these are some recent publication of mine just uh, in a selection uh, this is um, uh, uh, a book that I published in um, 2015 with Jin Hon Jung, uh, Building North Ark for Migrants, Refugees, and Religious Communities, where we are looking at uh, actually um, uh, uh, at the relationship, of course, of forced migration and religion, right? And, um, uh, and then uh, uh, just uh, listing a little bit uh, a, a case study actually on the Free Burma Rangers, uh, which is a very interesting humanitarian organization. Uh, helping the wounded as religious experience, the Free Burma Rangers in Karen State, Myanmar. And here is a culture and landscape of the humanitarian economy among the Karen in the borderland of Southeast Myanmar and Northwest Thailand in a, a wonderful publication edited by very carefully by Su An O, uh, Myanmar's Mountain and Maritime Borderscapes, yeah, uh, on Myanmar, um, on borders, borderlands in Myanmar. Um, and uh, ethical dilemmas and identification of faith-based humanitarian organizations in the current refugee crisis uh, in the Journal of Refugee Studies. This is an older publication. All right. Uh, so in, uh, I really embarked on fieldwork on the invitation of Deja Tangsifar, uh, another um, uh, good friend uh, at Tamasat University. Um, uh, but of course, on and off, right? Uh, um, but I've I've spent uh, many months in the field uh, since 2006. I embarked on research of an ethnography of humanitarian aid 
by and for the displaced Karen from southeastern Burma, and of course, um, um, suffering from many decades of civil war, Karen displaced people had to organize themselves in order to protect themselves against military assault and to go on with their lives. Um, so somehow life has to continue, right? And uh, um, uh, marriages, funerals, etc. Uh, uh, also continue. So, so um, uh, I was looking at the organization in uh, human rights organization, religious communities, both uh, Christian and Buddhist, existing side by side, uh, willing to provide emergency healthcare and grassroots education to villagers. So I traveled with local missionaries, met villagers in schools and clinics stayed long periods in Buddhist monasteries and traveled with human rights activists throughout southeastern Burma. I was a volunteer in the refugee camp. That's where actually my, my uh, fieldwork started um, in Mela um, uh, with Deja Tangsifa, who was actually teaching there as a volunteer, yeah? um, uh, teaching both at Tamasat University and in Mela. And um, he was, he's also, um, I think he has this interesting cooperation now with Oxford University also, so also on health, on malaria, right? So um, it's doing very important work. And um, I stayed in migrant villages on the Thai border also, um, and in Bible schools, and I visited the Karen communities also in Sheffield, Toronto, St. Paul, uh, in, and in uh, Stavanger, in uh, Norway, in Nubor, in Denmark. So. So it's quite, uh, I was looking really at the Kafur, if you like, um, uh, in, my, uh, in my ethnographic field work. And um, uh, so uh, on the theoretical plane, I, uh, I was interested in the humanitarian landscape, uh, to explore the humanitarian landscape. And I use actually the, um, the concept of the humanitarian economy. Um, and uh, by the, the humanitarian, humanitarian economy can be distinguished from the capitalist economy. Like the capitalist economy is also very important for Karen migrants who work in factories, etc., to earn a livelihood, or as domestic workers in Bangkok, let's say. But the humanitarian economy also includes advocacy work and, um, and human rights documentation, like witnessing, if you like, witnessing uh, like the French Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, right? Uh, who also do, who also understand themselves as a political organization, right? Uh, and uh, uh, who do this witnessing, uh, being a witness in, you know, atrocities and human rights abuses, uh, témoignage, if you like. And so humanitarian organizations in conflicts, not only in, uh, in current state, but all over the place, if you like, are becoming increasingly important in producing also parts of the international truth, so to speak, right? Um, and representing, if you like. Um, so, but, but of course, um, I wanted to uh, shift the perspective away from victims, from the perspective of passive, um, uh, of victims, um, uh, uh, like passive victims or children to, to the political subjects, really. Uh, um, and um, um, uh, so uh, um, 
So I was, I was interested how actually um, uh, refugees are taking their des the destiny into their own hands. And as, as Ashley South already, I think, explained in his work very um, uh, um, eloquently, uh, uh, it is we really have to look at the the needs of the communities and uh, and uh, human rights the understanding of human rights is of course uh, uh, very closely associated to um, to matters of um, of livelihood right and not you know the very abstract discourse on human <coughs> rights universalist about universalist values etc because the question is how can people at the end of the day is how can people uh, and that has been emphasized again and again. Also, I think how can people access actually uh, human rights, right? So we were talking about hope, and uh, here is a baptism in Melama Luang camp. I think that is one of the, my, my my most beautiful photographs um, here. Uh, I, I think I thought that was really very impressive, um, um, and people were talking actually about uh, God's mysterious plan, right? Uh, there were 500 people uh, baptized on a single day. Um, that does not mean necessarily that 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 Buddhists converted to Christianity, which also took place. But uh, it's mostly also Karen, the whole Karen community coming together, also with the NGOs, etc. And adults actually uh, being baptized a second time because it's a conscious choice, right? So one time they have been baptized as children, but then. Uh, uh, um, they, they have been baptized a second time. So, um, and uh, and this allows, of course, um, you know, the NGOs ha are coming, the relatives, friends and relatives are coming to the refugee camp here. You can see um, uh, that this allows for social networking, right? That religion allows for social networking, for hope. And uh, I argue also very importantly, and that's, uh, that's an argument we make also in, um, uh, um, in building Noah's Ark, right? that actually humanitarian aid is not neutral, but it's very much about a political community making also, yeah? Um, um, which I emphasize also in my study, for example, on the Free Burma Rangers, who are very closely associated to churches, to the Christian right in the United States, and also to Laura Bush, uh, for example, <coughs> um, to the US military also, sometimes. Uh, so, um, so in this sense, uh, and again, Utuzana, um, uh, a Buddhist saint, but also a patron of the DKBA, right? So um, um, again, the Buddhist, five minutes left, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I know it's, I've been, I'm always too ambitious, kind of. Um, well. Again, you have so you have this competition, if you like, yeah, um, between um, Christianity and and uh, uh, Theravada Buddhism, um, and many uh, Karen migrants, uh, many, sorry, many Karen, uh, especially poor Karen, are very loyal to Utuzana, right? Um, and um, uh, and again, at one time, uh, this competition was very um, uh, severe, actually. Yeah? And, and it's a very sad story, actually. It's a very sad story because sometimes the DKBA was almost mimicking uh, the uh, human rights violations. That's a Tatmadaw also, uh, you know. Um, uh, 
committed uh, on, on the civil population. So here you have actually a very nice image um, uh, of uh, is here a local missionary, um, uh, which is uh, who is a, a friend of um, also of Tim. Uh, uh, here, local missionaries and Buddhist monks together, right, in a community, and they have told me the story about uh, the, the school that, was, that has been burned seven times, right, and every time they have uh, reconstructed it, right, and also, and the local missionaries eventually also built a small chapel in this village, yeah, and here they are actually working, uh, so you can see that this, this is actually working, that in, 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 the, in, the, in times of need, you know, you can put these uh, ideologies aside and concentrate really on the essential, right, on the organization of healthcare, of education, small gardening projects. And that's where really the hope is, because the local organizations, they really do the, the best work. They are do, they're doing the most effective work, right? And of course, they're looking for partnerships with international humanitarian organizations, right? Um, so uh, the, uh, the research questions that, that are interesting here are many, right? Here, um, uh, I, list, I list here some, um, but it's really about um, what kind of alternatives <coughs> networks of social welfare protection and security by current villagers emerge? How do they interface also with the uh, Karen middle class organized in the NGOs, yeah? And you, uh, recently they had this current unity meetings, yeah, where the KNU tries to regain some of the lost legitimacy, you know. Uh, um, uh, so um, it's quite interesting. The current New Year celebrations also with the Don Dance got also a new uh, symbolic uh, actually meaning, if you like, yeah? Uh, away from a, a meaning of village cohesion more towards a, uh, a symbol of Korean nationalism. And in a recent article, I argue, for example, that also there's an overlap, which I find actually is a problematic overlap between um, civil society and the emergence development of civil society and Korean nationalism, right? Um, uh, and, uh, and then we have the assemblages of humanitarian aid. So actually, it's a very complex story we have uh, local organizations, we have religious NGOs, international humanitarian organizations like International Red Cross, Vote Vision. Um, uh, the failure of humanitarian aid to the most vulnerable but effective aid from local organizations, human rights groups, supporting vernacular efforts of community organization. And Mekunachi, Kirsten Mekunachi has uh, talked about the refugee warriors, right? Uh, where she, she was talking about the governance of refugees and humanitarian aid um, and um, and these um, of course uh, these kind of patronage relationships have been very um, problematic especially where and this has been but this has been also talked already um, like uh, when political organizations continue to exercise pressure on villagers uh, for example taxing them um, uh, and the competing armed groups ceasefire capitalism uh, and the militarization results in protection rackets, so to speak, right? Where villagers have to give themselves into the hands, you know, of kind of mafia-style organized, you know, uh, border guard forces, right? And this is really, uh, this is really, a prob this is really a problematic. Um, uh, conclude now. <laughs> this is really a problematic that uh, that uh, that 
uh, people like um, uh, Father Vinay have to, to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Uh, this is the KBA area, this is KNU area, and what does it mean, right, for, for, this, for building a college, a new college, for building a new clinic, etc. So um, we have uh, um, the prayer for Boomer, and uh, okay, um, well, how can I conclude from here? <laughs> uh, uh, so what are we doing with these different stories of religious landscapes, engagement, expression, and competition? Um, I've described process in which there's a, reli a religious journey is boosted by humanitarian aid to the most vulnerable people. Um, this process is further reinforced by long-distance nationalism and transnational support. So remittances, um, remittances are becoming very important. Mm -hmm. uh, in remittances, also not only families are supported, but also the KNU. Yeah. So I ask people, so what? How about when the KNU buys weapons from your money? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. uh, well, <laughs> you know, and then they also support uh, missionary churches. Interestingly, right? Um, because many, many, most of the majority of those who have been, uh, those who were resettled of the 76 people, 76,000 people, um, by now probably 100,000 um, are actually Christian. Um, so there are also groups, and I f this is problematic, right, that there are also animist groups who are finding them uh, like animist groups or small religious communities, right, who are finding themselves increasingly marginalized and under pressure uh, but they also have learned to assert their identities and their religions, also in the refugee camp and also in relation to international relations like UNESCO, etc. Um, home is not the same anymore, but the nostalgic anchor of a new project of a current imagined homeland. So mm -hmm. what, what stays is really an imagined homeland, right? So rather than the, you know, the physical home, which often is not, is not a future for young people who, who return to Myanmar, um, and um, I think I have to stop because I, uh, so, um, not to take time from the other stickers, so uh, um, uh, it's also what has emerged actually, okay, I emphasized already the local and globalizing, of course, in this assemblages, right? What has emerged is really a refugee, I argue, a refugee nationalism over time, okay? Uh, of the displaced and suffering Karen, and this vitality has been bolstered and developed by humanitarian aid. And suffering has become a discourse in which the boundaries of civil society and ethno-nationalism have become blurred. Um, so there are new social inequalities coming up, right, uh, that we have to study and that matter uh, in the distribution of humanitarian aid. So humanitarian aid is always distributed partially. Thank you very much. Thank you.